Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Time. So <laughs> this is the bonus for a brand new book. Here we are, Kings 1. First Kings, rather. Uh, yeah, however however you want to say it. I <laughs> guess First, first kings, kings is the right way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so David is gone now. That happened in this this first first chapter of First Kings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And while one boy tried to become the king, another boy took his place and actually became king. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and I actually looked something up about this. I, I was interested to see if Bathsheba and Nathan kind of duped David into making this whole thing happen. Right. Because I mentioned there was some different theories about that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I actually, this is interesting. USnews.com had a whole like long article on Bathsheba and sort of how she. <laughs> the latest breaking news. On Bathsheba. Exactly. <laughs> Well, and sort of discussing how she was sort of a catalyst for like many different types of adulterous women in history and literature, mm. like uh, classic. What uh, by catalyst do you mean archetype? Or yeah, kind of. Let's see. Yeah, Emma Bovary, Hester Prynne, Anna Karenina, all of those. So oh yeah, yeah. we do love having that the yeah the exactly. the the homewrecker yeah, archetype. Which is funny because actually, like, David's the homewrecker. Right. Not Bathsheba. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, come not on. Not even just homewrecker. It's homewrecker husband killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah homewrecker slash husband killer. Exactly. But, um, so I'm just going to read a little bit from this. So they say, whether or not theirs is a classic love story, David and Bathsheba share a powerful bond. And Bathsheba has three more children with David, which I didn't realize. No idea where that is in the Bible. Maybe we skipped over it. It was back when they first got married. It it kind of previewed us and was like, and they had these kids and they named them. And one was Solomon. But Solomon is the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Is David lies on his deathbed a man ruined by family strife? Really? I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's had some family strife. I don't know if he's been ruined ruined. Yeah. One of his sons, Adoniah, has already claimed the throne. Should Adonijah succeed David, secede David, his rival Solomon would find himself in great danger. As as David's power wanes, Bathsheba's grows. She reminds David of an oath he once may or may not have made to her, that Solomon would inherit the crown. Uh Even if he is being tricked, the king uh, reproclaims Solomon his heir. In David's house of intrigue, as Kirsch puts it, I don't know who this Kirsch guy is, Bathsheba (laughs) has learned how to manipulate the outcome in her favor. So that's interesting. So So it does seem to imply that she is manipulating. That's what this U.S. News says. And then it goes on to say, as queen mother Bathsheba occupies one of the most important positions in the land, her transformation from silent object of lust to a politically astute and vocal queen is striking, yet understandable. As an older woman, she displays the wisdom gained from a lifetime as a politician's consort. Well. Huh. Well, I don't know. I think I would just attribute to the fact that she kind of had these circumstances thrust upon her. Well, that's true. What what could she have done? Non-consensually. And yeah, she's got to work with what's given to her, really. Yes. So I did find a different argument, um, which is from a 2014 journal 
article, Reconsidering the Role of Deception in Solomon's Ascent to the Throne, by Matthew Newkirk, published in the Journal of Evangelical Theological Society. Well, so this that's is like a real like mouthful, a study, yeah. like a like a whole paper. Yeah, essentially, and there's there's a lot to it. It's like the purpose of the article is to reconsider this prevalent view that Nathan and Bathsheba de- deceived David into naming Solomon king. And basically what it finds at the very end is that in this article, I have considered the arguments that Nathan and Bathsheba deceived David into naming Solomon king and concluded that they are unpersuasive. Nothing in the text (laughs) suggests that David should be viewed as senile or easily manipulated. Rather, the narratological emphasis on David's old age is connected to his political ignorance. In conjunction with David's history of failing to correct Adoniah, which they did talk about, this explains why Nathan and Bathsheba orchestrated their appeal for David to actualize his oath that Solomon succeeded him as king. I then argued that the textual evidence suggests that Adoniah is depicted as seditious, that subtleties in the passage suggest that Solomon was the rightful heir to the throne, and that the book of Chronicles, oh, this is later, reinforces this interpretation by portraying David as knowledgeable that Solomon was Yahweh's choice to succeed him. Okay. Rather than being the result of human duplicity in the royal court, Solomon's ascent to Israel's throne was the fulfillment of Yahweh's word to David in line with his covenant promises. So there you go. <laughs> they think that, nah, it's it's good. It's good. It was meant to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. Yeah, I do think that's interesting because at least just, again, to, to take this from like, what if we just read the book and tried to come to conclusions? But yeah, there's nothing there. Like when we've had other old dying people, it's talked uh-huh. about them like they can't see anymore or they can't hear very well. Or it's like kind of talked it's about true. them being. Yeah, we had Jacob who was deceived by. Oh, no, it was it was Isaac who was deceived by Jacob. Right. You know, with the whole oh, Jacob yeah. and Esau story. Yeah. yeah. But here, like, there's none of that. There's nothing like he's sickly true. and he's cold. We got that. <laughs> he's cold and old. <laughs> cold yeah, and I, old. <laughs> he's got a lady interested in him. Yeah. Right. All of that. Yeah. But but that. There's nothing saying that he's senile or that he's being tricked by anything. So, I, I mean, that, that makes sense to me from from how we read it. All right. Why not? Speaking of him ailing, I looked up some stuff about this Abishag, Abishag, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ab- Abishag, whatever it was. And, um, okay, so so I learned a few interesting things. The first of which is that... A, that Okay, there might be a subtext that we now in our modern day are missing here that oh, yeah? that there was a belief that uh here it is. This is from the interpreter's Bible. It notes that the Hebrews believed that the fertility of the soil and the general prosperity of the people were bound up with the fertility of the king. So huh, by the time David's old and decrepit, his sexual vigor is called into question. So the whole cold but can't get warm may have been a metaphor get it up. for that he couldn't get it up. That Interesting. He, and that that was a problem. And so they prescribe this young, beautiful woman to see if they can invigor that. <laughs> and Aww. the answer is no. Well, and no. And so in one of the things I read, it's like the fact that he doesn't 
have intercourse with her means like, okay, he can't be king anymore because now he's officially oh. impotent and that's why he needs to then pass it on to someone else. That's odd, but what okay. A what a weird thing, right? way of thinking <laughs> yeah. about sovereignty. Yeah. Huh. But other accounts, there's this, uh, <laughs> this thing that later was called Shunamitism, named after her, because her oh, she was she Abishag was sh- the Shunamite, that sh- okay. Shunamitism is the practice of an old man sleeping with, but not necessarily having sex with, a young virgin to preserve his youth. And this was actually prescribed by physicians in like the 17th and even 18th centuries at certain times. Like just cuddle in bed. Just a cuddle, a super hot little young virgin cuddle cud. partner. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> wow. That, okay. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I, I guess if I were an old man, I'd feel maybe a little bit more youthful <laughs> and sprightly the next day. Yeah. <laughs> hanging it's out like, with wow, this young that blood. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, potentially. So, so there's also some, though, that have argued that, no, actually, this was something that they believed at the time would help make him feel younger and more vigorous or whatever. Okay, so instead okay. of it being a test about how virile it is, that it would have been this no, this will help you feel good. Yeah. So there's there's kind of two two different ways people have have looked at that. Um and then so then and then to the next part of uh, Ab Adonaya wanting to marry her and like what that's about. Basically, that you know, we know that she didn't sleep with David, but almost every account that I read, people's editorializing on this, is the idea that, yeah, David didn't sleep with her, but she's still regarded as a king's concubine. And interesting, and, she's kind of still been given over, yeah. So, like happened with Absalom with him sleeping with David's concubines, that that sort of potentially a political move to say like i'm the king now because i've taken his concubines as my own maybe that's why to that's why that wasn't just this innocent request it was like no no no. i see he couldn't just take the king kingship outright he's trying to political maneuver his way in so i'm gonna kill him because he's clearly not gonna give up he's clearly uh, trying to vie for power still right because yeah because remember when he when uh Adana Ja Adonaya, this one, the brother. Adonaya. When he held on to the horns of the altar and was like, I won't leave until Solomon says he won't kill me. Solomon's like, if oh, he's good and obedient, okay. I won't kill him. That this yeah. then is disobedient because it's clearly mm-hmm. maneuvering nice. to try and mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, last thing is that there are some then who ask, well, what happened to her after that? Some believe that she then became a concubine of King Solomon, which is one, why she would have been his to give, I guess. It feels like that would only make sense, right? It would only make sense then. And also, we can get to this more later, but there is theorizing that she might be the woman about whom Song of Solomon is written. Oh, really? Wait, yeah. meaning what's her butt? This this lady, <laughs> this, this lady, Abishag, <laughs> the Shunammite, the super That's hot virgin who may have ended up who may have ended up marrying or being a concubine to Solomon. To Solomon, but what what evidence is there of that? We, we can get to that later when we get to that book. I didn't go down that road because because that's not where we are right now. But there are I found multiple accounts that theorized she might be the one about whom that book is written. 
Wow. Okay, so she was super hot, or at least he was super in love, yeah. in theory. Although I did, I did. Or super in lust, I guess. I did, yeah. There's apparently some other Jewish writing, though, that also talks about her and says, like, she's very beautiful, but not half as beautiful as Sarah. It, like, has to kind of throw that Who's in. Sarah? <laughs> Sarah from way back. Abraham's oh, wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but not half as beautiful as her. Don't worry, dear listener. I didn't. She is. Okay. I was going to say, I don't remember us talking about how beautiful Sarah was, but then again, Sarah was the one where Abraham was constantly saying, oh, she's my sister. And then all these local leaders yes. would mm, fall yeah, in love with her and take her for their own. So everyone thought she was pretty hot. So, okay, clearly. Yeah. Right. Hot enough. Right. Hot enough. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. So okay. lots, of, lots of intrigue because there's not a lot of info. So That's people got to theorize yeah. a lot of things about her, you know? I mean, they do that there, all over the place with this book, the Bible. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, King David died, he did. as we determined. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about when I was in Jerusalem, many years hence. I mean, back, many years back, not hence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in 2015, I took a solo trip or, um, to many places, and one of them was Israel. And let me tell you, Jerusalem was a trip. I, I can't stress this enough. It was so weird to be in a place where I'd heard about all these places my whole life growing up in Sunday school and read about all these places in the Bible. And then now here I was seeing these places. And then on top of it, it's not even just a cool travel experience. There's also, because it's such a hotly contested religious site, there's all these religious groups all around all the time. Wow. All the time. Like constant like religious tour groups of like the the you know catholics and the eastern orthodox and a bunch of you know hasidic jews and also muslims and like just you know like so many different religious factions also coming through like also this weird like element of religious tourism on top of it is just like mind-boggling um anyway i'm gonna have more stories of jerusalem as we get closer to the new testament but what happened one day when i was wandering around the old city I got caught in a rainstorm unexpectedly, like really, really heavy downpour. And I didn't have an umbrella or a hat or anything. And so I just like ran to the nearest like building that I could find, like the nearest overhang that I could find to get out of the rain. And it happened to be King David's tomb. Oh, God. Wow. You know, I just wandered in. David, um, David blessed you. Yeah. Um, cool. So I went in there and it's basically been converted into a synagogue and it was full of Orthodox Jews having a party. Let me tell you, they were singing and dancing <laughs> and morning around. Like they were having the best time. And I, I didn't feel like I could really intrude, you know? So I was just like kind of stayed a little bit outside. I mean, still under the underhang, but just kind of watching. They were just like going nuts. It was actually really fun to see. Um, How lovely. Yeah. And so I was waiting and the rain wasn't letting up and wasn't letting up and wasn't letting up. And then I went, there was a public restroom nearby. And so I went in there to use the bathroom and there was like a high shelf in one of the bathroom stalls, like way, way, way up high. And I saw there was something up on top of the shelf and I like grabbed it. It looked like something kind of fabric and I grabbed it and it was this old ass, dusty ass umbrella. Like looked like it had been up there for at least a decade. Like it might have been just, King like, covered and dusted. Like it was King David's umbrella. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take this as a freebie from God and maybe the spirit of King David. <laughs> wow. And I wow. took that old ass umbrella and I used it. Amazing. That's for a walking around the story. City. Anyway, uh, I did do some research on King David's tomb and like a lot of things in Jerusalem, it's very hotly contested, both between all the different, uh, you know, Jew, uh, Abrahamic religions 
because the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews consider that to be a very important spot, consider David to be very important. Right. But also, of course, also hotly contested, like a lot of things in Jerusalem about like, was this really the place where this person died? Or was this really the place where this thing took place? We actually think it may be this place. And then other people think, no, actually, it's this place. So, so many things in Jerusalem, you know, yes, like the historical record really only goes back to like a few centuries BCE or CE, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a few centuries once the Roman Catholic church first started getting involved and once the crusades started happening, you know, that that was the time when in the historical records, like, yes, this was the place where Christ died. And yes, this was the place where King David was buried. And of course now modern archeologists were like, well, that doesn't seem right. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, interesting. So, so same thing They They don't know that's actually where King David is buried. I learned uh, in my research, they actually never even checked to see if there's even a body in there, much less done any kind of like sampling or carbon dating or stuff like that. Uh, huh. they, they they have not found any kind of confirmed evidence of where David may actually be. So it's still just speculative at this point. But wow. uh, yeah, Gosh. that's that's what we know now. It's wow. just like there's no really no benefit for us to test this or dig this up. So let's just not. It's just not. Yeah. It sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I guess is somebody's going to be disappointed regardless of what yes. they find. Oh, that was okay, that was the real mind-blowing thing about so yeah. many places in Jerusalem. Like I went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is a really old Byzantine era cathedral that was built over the site where supposedly Christ was buried oh. or Christ was entombed. You know, and you can like go in there, go into like this cave where supposedly Christ was entombed. And I mean, again, in the historical record, it was like, what, like third century CE or fourth century CE that it was decided, yeah, this is the spot. And to be there and like watching all these, these religious tourist groups, like people in lines, waiting in lines just to be able to go and like look or, or touch the stone or whatever, when it's like, there's a good chance it's not actually the thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but we've put so much meaning into the thing even though it's probably not actually the thing, but still people are having these like really intense religious, spiritual experiences. Um, so I don't know. That's it wild. just it raised wow. a lot of questions for me. It was wild. Fascinating. It was wild. Cheers. Yep. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Anyway, I am telling you, I would love for us to do a trip to the Holy Land one of these days, especially. Yeah. Once we can, you know, when we can <laughs> once they'll let do Americans anything again. In. Yeah. I'm sure by the yeah. time we get to the New Testament 20 years from now, right. <laughs> things will be different. Hopefully knock on wood. Yeah. Knock on wood. We yeah. shall see. Wow. Gosh. Wow. How lovely. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this bonus episode. And we're excited to carry on with this reign of King Solomon next week.